This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach, and today I'm delighted to welcome Jen Walker-Wall to the show. Jen's going to talk about navigating that weird space between wanting a new job opportunity and getting there. Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, I'm so excited. You know, your work is predominantly with women in transition. So I'd really like to look at career change through your unique lens today. Uh, so many people just hit the job boards, right? And they they brush yeah. up their resume. And, you know, that's part of it, but that's not enough. So so take us to that mental space of of someone who's considering a job transition. What's the first thing that they need to do? Yeah, such a good question. One of the things I noticed when I started working with folks um, in, in career transition was how few people were actually applying to jobs before they hired me to work with them. So I imagined I would be like a last ditch effort on a job search. But really what I find is that people struggle to simply get started. They yeah. know those job boards are out there. There's, you know, dozens or hundreds sometimes of jobs that they're scrolling through each day or week. Um, and all of that can lead to a little bit of like overthinking and fear of change and fear of the unknown. And so what I find is that we have to make it really easy for people to get started. Now, some of my clients will come and say, I really just want to take the next step in my career ladder. I know where I'm headed. Um, and we help them with communicating their value, getting really clear on their expertise, and finding the right kinds of opportunities that align with that. Um, but some of our clients come and really are struggling to make a career change that's more significant. So change of industry, uh, change of job function. And in that case, just the idea of going through jobs over and over again can be really overwhelming too, because they need to think through how their uh, experience is going to translate in a new environment. Uh, and that can be really tricky for people. So no matter whether, what kind of change people are making, we have to break the process down. And we believe that that always starts with rigorous self-reflection. So being really honest about what's working in your current line of work, what you'd really like to see change, what you'd like more of, and honestly, getting really clear on what you're proud of, because that honestly can be very compelling content uh, for potential employers. Well, what you said is music to my ears as a fellow coach, because so many people just dive in, right? And they don't give themselves a chance to breathe and really reflect and think about what is next. And I often think of, of the folks who have a job search out of necessity, right? Maybe there's been a merger or an acquisition and their their company downsized, right? Or right-sized as we often hear. And their role is just no longer, you know, beyond their control. But that that opportunity to really self-reflect is a great way to start. So I have a, um, a friend who uh, is getting married and moving to a different city because of her spouse. And they agreed as a couple that she would make that move and, and relocate and find a new opportunity. And she's busy working right now. So using her as an example, how much time should people spend job searching or working on that career reinvention when they're actually working full time? 
Oh my gosh, this is so important because people imagine that it's going to take forever. And what I find is that early on in our work, our clients will try to set aside like a whole Saturday, right? Like they imagine they'll have this windfall of time. And what I've come to learn is that we're never going to have a windfall of time. Right. How's that going? (laughs) Yes. We'll wait forever if we're waiting for that. And so we actually like to say and, and, and watch our clients kind of succeed with this model where we imagine that the process is a little bit front loaded, but you can also start by setting a timer for 20 minutes, three times a week. A lot of times that's not, my clients believe that's not enough time. But as I'll point out, one hour a week is a half a day a month, which is probably more time than they're currently making um, when they're waiting for their windfall of time to pull through. So if you do that, you can tackle a couple of reflection questions. You can set up some job search filters. You can do some research for networking groups in the area. You can do some research uh, maybe on hiring managers in your field. Um, And if you start with a timer, of 20 minutes and you work on building some momentum there, I think that that can be a really effective way to get traction. Um, a lot of times you'll 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 want to spend, you know, maybe 30 or 40 minutes on an application or more, right? We know that can be a time-consuming process, but not every step of the way needs to be like a whole retreat day for yourself. You can really chip away at this 20 minutes at a time for sure. You know, I love that strategy too, because it really feeds the the philosophy of productivity, right? And single tasking mm-hmm. and hunkering down. It's It's good for your brain, right? You don't overwhelm and you can stay focused. That's right. And it kind of helps you manage your expectations a little bit. What you can get done in 20 minutes is perfectly good progress. A lot of people have high expectations of themselves. They want to knock the whole thing out. But really, if you think about what the job search process is, it's a learning experience. You're doing research, you're making assessments. And if you don't give yourself a little bit of time to decompress and tend and manage your life a little bit, things can get feel really out of control or you'll stall completely. So helping people see that with a little bit of time can go a long way is really fundamental to what we do. So I I love that you're giving people permission to work in small chunks. And you said that we actually end up finding more time using that philosophy. Yes, that's exactly what we want. A lot of clients, after several weeks of working with us, have more time on their hands to manage their life, to be with family, to relax, to enjoy their life, which we think is actually really fundamental to a successful process. You can't be running on an empty tank for very long, right? And so we see that that time with friends, time with family, time with Netflix, whatever it is that really kind of helps you fill up your tank is essential to being alert and engaged with your job search when it really matters. Love it. So Jen, let's talk about fit, right? Because so many people are looking at title, they're looking at salary, again, just initially doing that cursory research on a job board. But how do you know, is that role really going to feed my passion and honor my strengths? Yes, this is something we really have to teach people because they're trying to impress people, right? Our job seeker clients want to impress people and get the job. But we think this is really about being much more discerning, especially for people who are our mid-career senior executive level folks. Like we're, we've done the impression, impressing people. We've landed jobs before. And we really want to focus on what is going to make the next move the right move for us. And so that starts with being choosy about the kinds of jobs you're applying for. So really reading those uh, job descriptions, looking at those job titles, thinking for some people, this is about commute. For some people, this is about growth. For some people, this is about, you know, what the day-to-day looks like or working remotely, right? So you have to be clear on what your criteria is. And you can't be distracted by other people's criteria because everyone's lives look really different. Um, And so that's really where it starts. And then we encourage people, every phone's 
screen, every interview, you know, what matters to you? For me as a job seeker, it was really about environment. I really wanted to enjoy being around the people that I worked with. And so you can really, for me, it was about looking up, lifting my head up in those interviews and seeing like what kind of engagement is happening for these people when I'm not actively being interviewed. You know, do people go to lunch together? Do people look happy to be be there and, and talking with one another? Um, what time of day are the emails coming in? Is it, you know, nine o'clock at night? Is it during business hours? Like really paying attention to those things and not being afraid, especially as you move through the process um, to, to ask questions that are essential to you. Yeah, you've got to be self-aware because at the end of the day, it's your interview too, right? You're not just being interviewed, but you've got to suss out, is this a place where I can do my best work? That is exactly right. So part of this too is not only being discerning in what you're pursuing, but being willing and able to say no when you sort of get the information or see the red flags that are sending you the signs that, that make you apprehensive enough to say, you know what, I'm going to keep looking. Excellent. Jen, we'll be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedoubthiggins.com. So, Jen, let's talk about the tried and true uh, informational interview. Is that something that you still recommend that your clients pursue so they can get to know people in the organization? And if so, is it well received by the organization? Yeah, we uh, any contact you can have is an opportunity to gather information. So yes, we this is something we help people do. Uh, a lot of our clients do get traction with their resume because it's something we spend a lot of time with folks on. But when we are making a transition, when we have a lot of questions or uncertainty that we want to help our clients address, an informational interview can be very helpful. So there's a couple of things that we suggest. One is to give yourself a few different opportunities. You know, understand that people are busy. Some people may be in their busy season. Some folks may be receiving multiple requests for for these kinds of conversations. And if you give yourself enough opportunities, right, you don't just reach out to one person, but you reach out to one or two people a week, you give yourself a greater chance of actually having a conversation and you don't wait for, for just one person to get back from you. And then the second thing is what I've seen a lot of clients do before they start working with us is that the emails that they're sending are paragraphs and paragraphs long, right? So it's like, here's my biography, here's everything about me. And also I would be, I would love to have lunch or I would love to talk by phone or I would love to have a Zoom conversation. And so we really shorten all that up, you know, because your LinkedIn will really serve as your biography in many, many ways. Uh, And we encourage people to make their case very quickly because sometimes the more content, the harder it is to respond quickly, right? Um, And so we try to help people say, you know, identify what the connection is, why you're interested in speaking to this person. If you have any shared connections, certainly mention them and then ask for a phone call or a coffee. Um, but make the make the request really, really short and concise. And if necessary, say, I'm also happy if it's easy to send along a list of questions if your schedule doesn't permit an in-person meeting. So just keeping the ask really, really concise, mentioning any shared obvious connections, and just remembering that if, if, if a, you know, a novel lands in someone's inbox, it can be really hard to manage. Yeah, it's too long, didn't read, right? Exactly. TLDR. <laughs> oh, that's so important. Thank you 
for that. Yes. So what about what about the cover letter? Has that become obsolete or is it still really important? Because the old uh, you know viewpoint was it's a writing sample, right? Yes. And it's an it's a really important way to see does this person write well and do they tell their story, right? Is yes. it a custom letter or are they using a template for every every role? Yes, I'm so glad you asked because I do think this will be the hill that I die on quite uh, <laughs> quite willingly. I do think that cover letters are still really important and I'll tell you why. I know that recruiters often don't read them. Um, I know that um, hiring managers often do. Not everyone does, but here's the thing. I've had so many conversations with hiring managers who say they will not hire someone who doesn't include one. And since, you know, we don't know who those hiring managers are in advance, we really need to treat every potential hiring manager like that's their policy. Here's the second thing that I think job seekers should really take to heart is that when you learn to concisely convey your value and speak directly to the needs of a particular position, your cover letter helps you prepare for phone screens and it helps you prepare to tell your story in in in-person interviews. So in some ways, it's really excellent preparation. And sometimes my clients will be like, this is great. We have an interview. Let's interview prep. And I get to say, actually, we've already started interview prepping. Uh (laughs) We can keep going, but we've actually already done some of this work. So I think both internally and externally cover letters are still really valuable. Well, I'm on the hill with you, my dear. I completely agree. I, I really do. I think it tells a story. And you know, when I'm on the hiring side of the table, I, I won't look at a candidate unless they've included a cover letter. I really uh, feel that that is such an important first impression. Totally. I'm with you. So let's, let's transition to the interview, right? Yeah. What's new about interview these days and what's the best way to prepare? Well, you know, I think there's a few things we're seeing. I mean, one of those would be, um, you know, more, more uh, interviews happening virtually via Zoom. Um, I've had a lot more clients even doing like Zoom panel interviews. We see lots of panel interviews, especially in tech, all day interviews. Um, and so here are some things to think about. Usually our clients who are working their way through our framework, like are really well prepared for their interviews. And I'm sure most of the people listening, you know, they're they're listening to work and career podcasts in their free time, right? So we know that they're, yep. they're diligent, they're doing the work. And so what I really like to emphasize to people is to remember that it's not, this isn't a you know, a performance. This is an opportunity to have a really meaningful conversation to learn about what it's going to be like to work in this place where you'll spend a good deal of your waking life. (laughs) Um, And so I always really encourage people to think through what are the things that you're going to be looking for? What kind of expectations do you have about how the day will go? And how will you check in with yourself throughout the day and once it's over to make sure that you have a good sense that your goals and needs will be met if you say yes to the role? I, I, I really don't see people not preparing properly for the interview. I really see people not using that or thinking about it as an opportunity to assess for fit. Um, we get very uh, focused on here's how to deliver the best possible answer, which of course is it's helpful to be really clear and confident in terms of answering kind of some of those standard questions. But really, you want to be listening too. that's what's really super important. What you're hearing um, will tell you if the job continues to be a good fit for you or not. And and I think the questions that the candidate gets to ask whomever they're speaking with, whether it's the panel or your future boss, are incredibly important, right? Don't throw away that opportunity. What are your thoughts on when they flip and say, okay, what questions do you do you have from us? Yes. And I want people to think about what they really want to know before they get to the interview. Because a lot of times people are like, what should I ask? And honestly, what you should ask there 
should reflect your own values and goals, right? So if it's if you're worried about the really long commute, you might ask, how pe do people work remotely here? What does that schedule look like? Um, if you're really concerned about growth opportunities, you might ask someone to share an example of the last time they were promoted internally. Um, you know, if it's around, uh, you know, flex time, you might ask for examples of how that policy works. Uh, so there's no like blanket question that will tell everyone what they need to hear. But if you can go into an interview having given some thought to two or three main concerns you have about whether what will it will take to make the job a good fit for you, you can definitely come up with some questions around that. Tell me about a time you, you know, had an employee who wanted a promotion after their first year, right? That gives you an example of like what growth can look like internally at a company. Um, so that's just how I think, like check in with yourself and think through what's really important and see if you can come up with two or three questions at least that will give you some insight into what, what your goals and needs might look like if you bring them to this company. That's great. Jen, we know that interviewing and the job search process at large is emotional, right? It can be inspiring. It can be frustrating. It can really be um, angst ridden. So how do you help people manage that gamut of emotions? Such a good question. I mean, one of the ways that we do that for folks is by working with people over the course of the job search process. Um, and sometimes having, like, we consider ourselves to be to be steady in the process, and our clients definitely go up and down and up and down. So here are some of the things we help people to focus on. We focus on their learning goals and their growth goals for themselves, which oftentimes don't require a new job <laughs> to, to, yeah. to, to determine, right? So sometimes people have really great insight um, into what they're really capable of and where they want to go next. That is a win. Give yourself credit for all of these wins along the way. Our folks get really good at communicating. Um, that's a win. We want to give people credit for that as well. Um, and here, you know, one of the things we really work on are helping people set boundaries and manage their current job. Um, because a lot of times that is really the stressor, right? Like people have a job they really want to get out of. And we find that if we give people some tools along the way to better manage that and support them through whatever those challenges might be, that by the time they are actually in the round of getting offers, they're in a they're in a much more zen place when it comes to their actual yeah. job. Um, and so giving yourself permission to manage the tension and stress or whatever's going on in your day job and also move forward can kind of help you do both at the same time um, and set reasonable goals. And again, celebrating all of the wins along the way, because there are a million amazing things that happen before you get that job offer that you ultimately accept. Yeah, thank you for that. Celebrate those wins. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, Jen, it's such an interesting point in time because so many of our uh, baby boomers who are still working are actually beginning to retire, right? Yeah. So we see that top level in organizations across the board retiring. So it's a real generational transition and wonderful leadership opportunities for others. But what about those out there who are saying, gosh, am I ready for that next level? Am I ready to manage others? Am I ready to take on a bigger leadership role? How do you coach them through that process in a job search? I tend to find that if people are asking a question like that, the answer is yes. And yeah, the way, if, you know, not everyone asks that question. And in fact, I work with a great deal of managers who say, you know what, I need a timeout. Like I've got a lot going on in other parts of my life and I don't need to be a manager right now. Um, but what, when people start asking the question about, should I step into this role? I think I would like to, I'm worried I'm not ready. That's again, when we start thinking about fit, we think about, well, what would it be like for you to step into this role? What kind of support would you need if you were to do this? 
What would you need from your boss? What would you need your team to look like? Uh, where would you need to develop? And if we can give people a plan, right, or the outline yeah. of what a successful management job could be, then we have an, a North Star for their job search. Um, and, and we have very concrete things that they can ask for and negotiate for in the, the job search process. So I actually love the idea of, of checking in with yourself and thinking, what would it need for me to take something like this on? Um, and then aligning your job search with jobs that really reflect that and can offer you the resources you need to be successful because all managers need resources <laughs> to be successful. So true. So true. So are, are there barriers that you see over and over again that clients are facing when they're pursuing a new opportunity or, or looking for that great next step? Yeah, I think there are a couple of things um, that I see. And one is people think that this should happen overnight. It's so easy to go on to LinkedIn and all you see are people getting new jobs. What you don't see is how long that process really takes. So I say six to 12 months is a good indicator. It's, it, you know, our clients tend to fall within that range. And if you think about it, our clients are applying to some of the biggest organizations on the planet, which aren't necessarily yeah. the fastest organizations on the planet. Uh, and so giving some time for the internal um, bureaucratic workings uh, of the job search process to happen is really essential. And people just don't think about that when they're active job seekers. The other thing I would say is for people who are making a transition, um, it can take a little bit longer. For people who are picking up and starting over in a new you know, city, the job search can take a little bit longer. Um, and, and I always like to say that to help people manage their expectations, not to say that it's impossible, right? It's very possible. Right, right. We see it happen all the time. But if you don't give yourself a, the proper amount of time or plan properly for it, you might think it's supposed to happen a lot faster than it is. So I always say like 80 percent of what I do is managing people's expectations. 20 percent is working on their actual job search because it is something that can take a long time, especially if you're a busy person and you have a career or a life that's happening uh, outside of your job search. Awesome. Jen Walkerwall, I learned so much from you today. And I want to tell our global audience that you are the founder of Work Wonders Careers, where you help people land new jobs and thrive at work. And I am so grateful that you spent time with me on the show today. And I wish you continued success. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Thanks, Jen. And if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review because this helps new audience members find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like for me to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.